All right, good morning, Mission Valley. Wow, this side of the room is like empty now. That is crazy. Um, but my name is Michael Fukuyama. I am the youth coordinator here at Mission, Free, Mission Valley Free Methodist Church, and I'm really excited to be giving the message today. And so like Ko said before, last week we did Hope for, the da- uh, Hope for the Underdog, and today I will be closing our four-part series on Hope for the Doubter. Now, I really do love this passage that we're going to go over, and I really love this topic because a lot of people doubt. It's very common, especially for me. You know, doubt is something I struggle with. Even this past week, I'm getting ready to go to, or I'm getting ready to go to APU for tomorrow for my master's class. We start tomorrow. And one of my biggest doubts was, oh my gosh, there's no one in my class. This past week, I, I looked at my, my attendance. There was 24 out of 25 seats open which means that I was the only one enrolled in a four-hour class at night with my professor. And I was really scared because I'm thinking, please just go to online. Like, please, let's just do a one-on-one online. I don't want to be in person for four hours. Okay, so that was my biggest doubt. I'm thinking like, man, like, does APU not have a lot of seminary students anymore? Is this something that maybe I'm in the wrong program? Should I have gone to Biola? I don't know, right? And so I get an email from my professor telling me, hey, Michael, I just want to let you know, this is a Korean-speaking class only. And I'm thinking to myself, are you serious? Like, there's no way I just signed up for a Korean class a week out before I start school. And so I'm like, I'm panicking. Okay, so I look at all my classes. Turns out I'm taking two Korean classes, only in Korean and one Spanish. And I'm just like, there's no, like, this is insane that I, because undergrad is generally in English. I didn't need to ask where the Korean-speaking class, I didn't need to ask. It was always assumed. And so my biggest mistake was I assumed that all my classes were in English. So I doubted, I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I even going to have class now? Like, and this is a month after registration. But by the grace of God, I, I signed up for my classes. There's no longer one of me. There's actually like 20 people in my classes all speaking English. And so I'm just super glad that even though I, yes, it's really, praise God, even though I doubted, you know, APU, I was like, man, maybe I shouldn't be here. It was really just because I didn't read. I did not read the, the class requirements, okay? So that was a huge win, just knowing that I would not show up into a class speaking only Korean, all right? But if you have your Bibles or if you use your phone, we're going to go over the passage of John, which is going to be John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. But we're going to start with the first two verses. So chapter, uh, verses 24 through 25, and it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Okay, so for context, this is after Jesus resurrects. Okay, and so this is when everyone's spreading the news. Oh my gosh, Jesus is back. We have to tell everyone, okay? So this is this timeline. But we have Thomas, someone who was one of the disciples, kind of challenge this idea that Jesus was alive, okay? And this will bring, in t- bring us into my first point, which is seeing is not always believing. Now, there's this famous Christmas story or Christmas movie that has the quote, seeing is believing. That's the Polar Express. I'm not here to, good thing there's no kids here, but I'm, I'm, I'm not here to tear down that idea that seeing is believing, but I'm also saying that we shouldn't just rely on sight to believe, right? We know that faith is more than just seeing physical manifestations, Now, for Thomas, again, Thomas needed to see Jesus in the flesh in order to believe. Regardless of how long Thomas had followed Jesus, no matter what he saw happen, Thomas said, no, I don't care what you other disciples say. 
I need to see Jesus for myself. I need to physically put my finger into his wounds, and then I can proclaim Jesus is alive, that Jesus has been resurrected. And sometimes that's like us, right? Sometimes we go along in our faith asking for physical manifestations. Sometimes we think to ourselves, man, if only I could see Jesus work in my life this way. Or maybe if Jesus showed up in my life when I'm struggling, this is how I need to see him. When I was younger, in middle school, you know, I grew up in a Christian household. My dad's a pastor. So my one goal was, man, I want to experience Jesus the way my dad does. I want to experience Jesus the way my mom does. I wanted to have these things. But as a kid, you know, I wasn't a mature Christian. I was a very, very young Christian. So the way I wanted to see Jesus was the same way that Thomas wanted to see him, in a physical form, right? You know, I wasn't asking for, I wasn't asking for a Moses reading parting the Red Sea moments. I wasn't asking for a Noah's Ark moment. All I was asking was, Jesus, can I see you in a way that makes sense? And so as a kid growing up, when I would go through hardships, when I would be angry or when I was struggling, this is how I wanted to see Jesus. And a lot of shows, a lot of science fiction shows are maybe fictional, right? There's always a character who's, who's looking for a sign, right? They're looking for a sign from a spiritual aspect or a spiritual person or something. And so they open a book, right? And and in these scenes, a lot of the times you see they open the book and then there's like a mystical wind that comes and, and flips the page to exactly the page you're looking for. So for me as a kid growing up, I would put my Bible down and just look at it, hoping that somehow there would be a wind blow onto the Bible and turn me to the right page. Every single time I would get frustrated. I'm like, God, like, come on, like, just flip the page. I know you're capable of doing this, right? You were capable of parting the Red Sea. Are you telling me you can't flip a page to the exact passage I need. Sometimes I would go to the extreme of putting a fan right next to my Bible, and so then it would go through the pages, but then in the end I would always end up in Revelations, which isn't really helpful. But because of my small mind as a kid, I confined Jesus to the Bible of this is how I need to see Jesus, right? I failed to understand at the time that Jesus is so much bigger than just flipping pages or just magically getting to the page I need. In the same way, Thomas had failed to recognize that Jesus is more than just a physical person, a physical form at the time, right? We know that Jesus is everywhere. He's the Holy Spirit. But again, sometimes we confine ourselves to just boxing Jesus in a physical form. And seeing, there's nothing wrong with seeing to believe. A lot of us, right, have seen Jesus work in our lives. Seeing is a great way for non-believers to believe in God, when we grew up going to church camp or to youth groups or going to Sunday service, right, we, we saw God work, right? But all we needed was one instance to believe, okay? But over time, the issue with depending on our sight is this. As we get older, we know that our body, you know, isn't in top shape. And it's harder to walk. It's harder to talk. It's harder to hear. And it's also harder to see. So now, I'm, I'm, I heard a laugh out there. I'm not trying to throw shade at anyone. But, you know, our bodies can't be top, like LeBron James, we can't be physically at our prime till 40 type of thing. And so if we rely on truly our sight, then what happens if we can't see anymore? Are we only going to just say, well, it was good that I was able to see God while it lasts. Now that I can't see, it doesn't matter. I don't believe anymore. And the second thing is this. Because we are naturally sinners, our eyes will fail us in that way. Our eyes will deceive us because we can convince ourselves that we want to see something that's not from God, or Satan will convince us that we are seeing something from God, right? And that's the biggest issue, is that our eyes will fail us regardless. 
But when we become a mature believer, okay, when we understand that, man, there's so much more to our faith than just seeing, that there's so much more to our faith than just seeing physical manifestations, super, uh, the supernatural phenomenons, if there's, when we understand that there's more to that, our eyes will be opened. Because when I learned that, when I, when I grew up, when I entered college, I learned that my faith is not based on what I want to see. It's based on how God is using other people. That's how I learned so I would see how God is impacting other people, how God is impacting the lives of my friends, you know, my coworkers, my professors, my parents. I would see how God is changing lives for the better. And that's how I saw God work. Like I could see that happening. But sometimes we are attracted to what? We are attracted to the external, the physical parts of our life. Right? But when we see change, when we see someone's heart change, that's all internal. And that's how God operates too. God is not just operating on the external plane, but he's operating on the internal plane. And that's why seeing is not always believing. But we, need, we do need to have a faith that is strong, that we need to be able to believe regardless if we can't see God work or not. There's a song, Waymaker, a very famous song that we sing often. And in the bridge, it says, even though I can't see you, I know that you're still working. And that's true. We may not always see God, but does that mean he's not working? No, it means he's still working, but sometimes we just fail as humans. We fail to see where he's working because our, our hearts aren't aligned with him or we're looking somewhere else than, we're, than where we're supposed to be looking. Going into my second point, which is doubting God is okay unless it prevents you from carrying out his plan for you. Now I'm going to take a little detour from the passage of John I'm going to, and I'm going to read Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I I am with you always to the very end of the age." And this is another very famous passage, and this is the Great Commission. This is Jesus' last teaching to his disciples before ascending back into heaven. Now, again, my point is, doubting God is totally fine. It is okay unless it prevents you from carrying out his plan or will for you, okay? And so all of us have a purpose. All of us have a plan, right? Whether it depends on where you, know, where you work or where you're going, all of us have a, a plan that is meant for God. But overall, the one plan that brings us together is the Great Commission, that we are called to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, which is basically the Bible, right? These are things that God has called us to do in our work, in our school, with our friends, in the church. These are all of God's plans. But it's a, it is a great, grand plan. It is a very big plan, okay? God is not asking us to make disciples of Mission Valley. He's not asking us to make disciples of San Gabriel. He's saying all nations, okay? And it's very easy to doubt this plan because there's two ways we can go about this. You can doubt yourself in your ability to actually carry out this plan, thinking that, God, I don't think I can do this. I don't have the abilities. I don't have the leadership. I don't have the skills to carry out the Great Commission. You should pick someone else. Or there's the other route of you doubting God's plan because it doesn't align with your plan, that we look at God's plan and we're thinking, you know what, God, this is a good plan, but you know what? I want to do something else. I want to do my own thing, and you have to roll with me, right? 
And the issue with that is that sometimes when we choose to not go the extra distance to carrying out God's plan, or if we fail to carry out God's plan, we miss out on what's on the other side. We miss out on what God has promised for us and the rewards that come after. Right, but the good news in this message is that God is never asking us to be perfect. If we go back to verse 17, it says, When they saw him, and they are the disciples, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Okay, So the people that doubted were the disciples, the same people who have walked with Christ, who have seen, again, the physical manifestations. They doubted Jesus. One, they doubted if Jesus would show up at the place they were told to meet. And two, they doubted in themselves if they were capable of carrying out the Great Commission because Jesus would no longer physically be there once he ascends to heaven. But, but again, Jesus doesn't say all, all, all who are doubt-free or all who are completely confident, this is what you're supposed to do. What God does is that he takes you exactly where you are with your doubts, with your insecurities, or whether you're doubt-free, he takes you where you are and uses that to expand his kingdom. Because if you look at who Jesus used in the New Testament, these people were not perfect, right? None of these people were like the best of the best. What Jesus is demonstrating is that he can meet you where you are right now with your doubt and expand his kingdom with the flaws that we have. That's what Jesus is saying. Doesn't that bring encouragement knowing that the one person that matters the most, which is Jesus, is empowering us. He's telling us, Michael, even though you have doubts, don't worry, just follow me, right? And what better way to end the chapter, because this is the last chapter of Matthew, the last verse, and he closes with, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's not saying, I am with you sometimes. He's not saying, I am with you Maybe if you do X, Y, and Z, he's saying, I'm going to be with you whether you follow me or not. I'm going to be with you whether you have your doubts or not. And he's empowering us. He's telling us, I'm going to be there with you. This past summer, it was a great summer for me. Um, I started off really on a high note. I went to Mammoth with my friends. We caught a lot of fish. And I was thinking to myself, man, this is a great way to start a summer. There's literally no better way to start a summer off with your friends. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, honestly, like, I'm just expecting a great summer before school starts, you know, make it, make it last. And immediately as I get home, I think it was probably the worst two weeks of my life. Um, you know, we have VBS, and then I have my, my cabin leading training for our family camp, which is a week, week later. And I remember our directors telling us, you know, the one thing you guys need to be careful of is the devil. Make sure that you're aligning your hearts, making, making sure you're getting ready for camp, because you can easily get distracted. And I'm thinking, okay, great. I'm going to like, I'm going to worship God 24-7. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to read the Bible. And five hours later, I come down with COVID. And I'm thinking to myself, like, are you serious? Like, I just had a, such a great summer with my friends. I had, I had a great time at VBS, and now I have COVID. So obviously, you know, I'm quarantined. I'm in my room. My friends are going out on 4th of July, and I'm watching fireworks on my TV. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, like, why did I have to get COVID, Right? And that was just kind of the, the incline of what, where this goes. So the next thing is, okay, I have COVID. My parents get COVID. Great. You know, I get to be stuck with them in our house. Can't go anywhere. That, that's great, right? Um, 
But because the three of us got COVID, we couldn't go on our, our work trip to Portland. So that means we couldn't, you know, spend time with, I mean, we, I, we spent time as a family, but not, you know, vacationing in Portland. You know, I wasn't able to network. I wasn't able to see a lot of the pastors that were at this work trip. So that trip got canceled. And I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. I was, I was kind of overbooked anyways. And so, you know, I'm, I'm recovering from COVID. I'm feeling great. I'm like, okay, good. Like, I still have four or five days to get ready for camp. And then just when I think I'm out, of, I'm out of the, like I'm out of the clear, my dog passes away. And this is a day and a half before camp. And I'm thinking to myself, God, like, are you serious? Like, I just had COVID. I just missed, missed this work event. And now my dog passes away. And I'm thinking to myself, how the heck am I supposed to go to camp? And my role at the time was the dean of men, which meant I had to, or not, I not had to, but my role was to empowered to point to our leaders so that they can minister to the youth. And now I'm just doubting myself. I'm like, God, I'm an emotional wreck. You know, I'm crying. I'm mad. uh, I'm on my bed. I'm just looking at videos of Enzo, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't do this. And I just remember I got no sleep. The, the, The next day and a half, no sleep. And at this point, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. This is two hours before I gotta go to church for camp. I'm thinking, God, I don't know how you want me to do this. I am doubting everything that I have, you know, told myself not to doubt. My insecurities are coming out. My flaws are coming out. I'm trying my best to hang in there, but God, like, how do you expect me to pull it all together in just 42 hours, right? And I just remember praying this one prayer to God, which was this. God, I have been your follower for so many years. I have believed in you for so many years, and I'm not going to stop now. I'm not going to ask you for a resurrection. I'm not going to ask you to show me what I need to see, you know what I need, and that's all I'm going to pray for. That's all I'm going to ask for. I'm not going to ask for money. I'm not going to ask for a raise. I'm just going to ask you, God, to provide me with what you know that I need, and that was it. And so, you know, I go up to camp, and then it wasn't until halfway through camp, maybe about Tuesday or Wednesday is when it hit me. When you lose a loved one or when you're going through a hard time, the thing you want the most is for your, the people you love to be there for you, Right? to comfort you, to surround you. And so I have a list of things that God provided me with at camp. It was so amazing to see exactly the the people that God provided because there's really no way that this is a coincidence, okay? So the first person, and this is no in particular order of how much I love them. I love everyone on this list equally. But the first person he sent up was Andrew Wakefield. He did announcements uh, last, last week or two weeks ago, but he's my best friend, okay? So that's great. I have my best friend at camp. Then he sent up seven amazing flow leaders, which I'm very close with. That's great. Now I have basically my friend group, right? I have this amazing friend group that I hang out with. We're out till three in the morning. This is great. I bas- you know, what more do I need? God's like, no, no, no. Michael, just wait. So then he sends up Kiki, my amazing supervisor, and she knew what I was going through. I let her know, like, hey, Kiki, like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I just want you to know I wanted, I'm going to do my best, but I might be sad. I might be crying. Uh, so I just want you to know. You know, but Kiki is very understanding. She's Michael, like, whatever you need, don't worry about it. Like, I got you. Then I was like, okay, great. Like, what more do I need? And God's like, nope, just wait. So he sent up two of my mentors that I'm currently mentoring with to camp who are serving in a different program. And it was great because I've been walking with these people for about three years now, and they were there, right? I'm like, okay, great. Like, I have my mentors there. And the last person who, who came up was... Sorry.
was my amazing girlfriend. Um, because she actually was, you know, hesitant to go to camp. But like, you know, what more could I have been blessed with by these group of people? Literally, like, everyone who could have been there for me that week was there for me. And like, you're, and I, and I just remember just praising God because I was doubting God. I was like, God, like, I can't do this without you. And God said, Michael, I got you. He was telling me, Michael, just follow me into the unknown. Yes, you're scared. Yes, you're worried. But don't doubt my existence. Don't doubt my power. Don't doubt my plan. Because this is what happens when you follow through. And so because God provided me with all these people, man, camp was a blast. That was the best week of my summer. Because I saw how God worked in the impossible. Through hardship, through death, through pain, God provided me with exactly what I needed. Not only that, he gave me more friends that I was able to hang out with post-camp. I was able to hang out with more people that I, that I didn't know before, that I got close with, and these people really saved my life, that they helped me get to where I am today. And so it's just huge. I know that Haley's here and that all the other leaders aren't here, but huge shout-out to literally everyone who was there for me because, seriously, God was God was working. And you can't convince me that this was a coincidence. You can't convince me that this was a fluke, this was by chance. God showed up, right? I saw that. I saw what happened. Even though when I doubted, I saw what happened when I can fulfill God's plan. And for him, he knew that I was going to be okay. And that's what I don't want you to miss out on. Now, not everyone's story is going to be like mine, but everyone's story is going to have the, ex- the exact same outcome, which is success, which is, thr- which is to thrive, which is to come out on top, to win the battles where you feel like they're impossible, right? But it comes with carrying out God's plan. Yes, you can have doubts. You might feel like you're not confident enough. You might feel like this is not where you're supposed to be, but take that chance. Step out in faith. Be uncomfortable with your faith, right? We know that as Christians, we're not called to just minister inside this church. We're called to go outside of the walls of our building, and that's where it starts. To be uncomfortable, to go out of our bubble, to do things that we never thought we were supposed to do, right? That's how God's going to work, and it only happens when you allow yourself to give yourself a chance. And I'm going to reinforce this as many times as I want, but it is okay to doubt. You do not have to have it together right now. Because I didn't. I was literally crying till five in the morning when my dog passed away the, the next two nights. I had nothing together. But I didn't doubt God's power. I didn't doubt God's existence. I knew that God was still going to be there for me. And that's exactly what he's going to do for you. Going into my third point, which is doubting God is okay as long as it doesn't prevent you from believing in God. Now these two points are very different. The second and the third one are vastly different. Okay, so now we're going to go back into John, and we're going to read chapters, verses 26 through 29, which is the closing statement. And it says, a week later, his, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to them, or he, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have, who have not seen and yet have believed. Okay, so Thomas finally gets his wish. 
he finally gets to see Jesus in the flesh. And because of that, he is believed, okay? But for us, we don't have that opportunity. Because I'm sure if we were able to see, if there was a, a, maybe a stand or a booth that said, oh, come see Jesus now, I'm sure all of us would line up for it, right? If that were the case, but it's not. We don't have the opportunities that the disciples or, who, or those who lived in the Old Testament and those who walked with Jesus, we don't have those same opportunities, okay? So that's why Jesus tells him, because you have seen me, you have believed, right? He has seen him, so therefore it is a catalyst for believing. But then he follows up with saying, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So he's making a statement of those who have not seen Jesus but believe in me, there's an increased amount of faith there. Right? These are the people that don't need to see miracles. These are, not, these are the people that don't need to see physical manifestations to believe in Jesus. And that's why he's saying, blessed are those who have not seen. Because, he, because Jesus is saying, that's what we need to be like, right? We can't always see Jesus every day, right? But that doesn't mean he's not working. Because we know some days, like I said, our eyes will fail us. But that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't exist, In Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this story, this is the famous story of Moses parting the Red Sea. The Israelites are the people who Moses saved out of slavery because they were being held under Pharaoh, okay? So these are the same people that have witnessed uh, the parting of the Red Sea. But what happened was this. They got restless. The Israelites, they got restless. They got tired because they didn't know when they were going to get to the promised land. And this is after they make their way through the Red Sea. Now, fortunately for us, we have GPS, right? When we fly, when we drive, when we walk, we have our destination on our phone. We know how long it's going to get there, and we have an estimated ETA, right? But the Israelites did not have that. They had to solely rely on, on God and Moses. And that's what happened. Because they got restless, because they got tired, they didn't know where, when their next meal was going to come. They didn't know when they were going to make it to the promised land. So they took matters into their own hands, okay? So this is basically a accumulation of the three points. Because they could not see God, because Moses was with God at the time, they failed. They wanted to make something they could see. So what did they make? They made a, a, a calf, like an a, a idol that was their calf, and that's, what they made a, and that's what they made. The second thing was, they said, you know what, God, I know we're supposed to go to the promised land, but I feel like maybe what we're doing here is better. So they decided to go Or they decided to do their own thing, right, and do whatever the heck they wanted. And the third one is they stopped believing in God and made the idol calf their God. Now, here's the crazy thing. They physically and literally saw the Red Sea part. They saw that. Right now, you can make an ex- you can make an excuse that it's like, well, Michael, because we didn't see the red the Red Sea part, or because we didn't see Noah's Ark, or any of these things, it's okay for us not to believe in God. No, that that should not be the case, right? Be- because if that's the case, then it's easier for us to 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 not believe in God, right? Because we didn't have that. The Israelites themselves, the chosen people that were promised that they were going to go to the promised land from God, doubted God and stopped believing. That's how bad it got 
right? And that's why God was mad because he's telling the Israelites, are you kidding me? What more do I need to send to you? I sent you food when you needed it. I sent you, you know, safety and freedom. I, del- I delivered you out of Egypt. What more do you want, right? And that's why it's important that when we believe in God, when, as we walk with God, yes, things are going to happen. Yes, you know, we might get tired. We might get restless. But those are not means or excuses to stop believing in God. When you look at our world today, even in the past three, four years, a lot happened, right? There's violence. There's hardships. There's tragedy. COVID. And so you can make, ex- make an excuse and say, well, Michael, these are perfectly good reasons why we shouldn't be Christian, because how come God hasn't eliminated COVID? How come God still allows there to be war? How come God still allows there to be violence, shootings, all these things, right? Like you can make these challenges, you can make these statements, but at the same time, that doesn't mean God doesn't exist, right? We know that there is a huge shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That in the Old Testament, God used to physically punish people, whether it was lightning, he would, you know, set fires on buildings, he would, he would take people's life, he would do these things physically, but came the New Testament, came a covenant that God would not do these things anymore, right? So we hold God to the standard of, man, God, in, in the Old Testament, you were punishing people. Why can't you do this now? You were taking away evil left and right. Why can't you do this now? Is he not doing that right now, right? Because we are depending on God to fix these things when we should be depending on ourselves, right? That's why there's a church. That's why there were disciples. That's why Jesus had a following because Jesus knew one day he couldn't do, he's not going to do all this on his own. He's going to have us do it with him, that we're going to walk with him, doubts and all, right? And that's why when we doubt God, we can't let it get to the point where, God, you don't exist anymore, or God, you know what? This isn't for me. There's too much suffering in the world for me to believe that you are real, And to be completely honest, you know, the world is not in our favor. We know the vast majority of this world are not Christ believers, right? The world probably sees more evil than good. The world sees, man, look at all this hardship versus, man, look how God's working, right? Because these stories that we have, these are not the stories that are are on the news, right? My testimony that I shared with you at camp, this is not on the news, right? This is not on ABC, KTLA. This is not on Twitter. It's not, but what we see is, is the media portraying the world as evil, as, as a lost cause. And sometimes we believe them. Sometimes we believe that maybe, maybe God isn't working. Maybe God is showing us his back and that there's no hope. But that's why we had this four-part sermon series, Hope for the Blank, Hope for the Doubter, Hope for the Underdog, right? Because there's so much hope in this world that sometimes we just fail to see it. Where our eyes are deceived God is in the other direction trying to work, but we only want to see one part of our life work. We only, see one, we only want to see God work in the hard times, right? But sometimes God is working, not sometimes, but all the times God is going to be working in the good times, in the joyful moments, right? So as I close this sermon, these are the three things I want us to take away. That seeing is not always believing. That you need to have a strong faith. You need to be committed to being a Christ follower. Yes, your faith might waver. Yes, you might have your doubts, but that's okay. But just know that God is still working even though you can't see him. The second point is, don't let your doubt prevent you from experiencing God's goodness and his plan for you. I am living proof that God is so good. 
when I doubted God, when I was at my lowest point this past summer, which was the most recent thing, I still followed through with God's plan. And look how he provided for me, right? And now, the, the beauty of that is that you don't have to be me. You don't have to be Pastor Dave. You don't have to be Kiki. You don't have to be anyone in a high position in the church. God will meet you exactly where you need to be and show you this is what I have for you. He's going to reveal exactly what you need to see. And lastly, when the world turns away from God, when the world becomes corrupt or evil, don't give up hope. Don't tell yourself that God doesn't exist because he does. Even though we see a media that portrays, you know, violence, you know, mass shootings, killings, all these things, where we have become absorbed with all this negative news, don't give up. That there's hope, right? Don't be like Thomas and ask Jesus, Jesus, I need you to show up right now in front of me to prove that you still exist. You need to be able to believe despite the amount of tragedies we experience in our everyday lives that you still need to have a strong faith regardless of who pushes you over, right, who knocks you over. Just like Pastor Dave said last week, Rocky, he always got back up. No matter what comes your way, that you're always willing to get back up and to believe in Jesus. Because if we're not willing to believe, then who will, right? That's why there's hope, because we are going to be the vessels needed to, to give people hope, right? That it, it is okay to doubt, but to remind people that Jesus is alive and well. And so for our weekly challenge, we have three challenges. The first one is to read John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29 every day. Right? Remind yourself that Jesus is alive, okay? That no matter what you do, have that strong faith. I'm not trying to give a bad rap to, to Thomas, but don't be like Thomas, right? Be better. Get, a, get, get ahead of the curve and just accept that I don't need to see God to believe that God is real. I know that God is working, the second one is, if you have a moment of doubt, remind yourself that Jesus is always with you. Like I said before, in my second point, Jesus is not sometimes with you. He's not partially available. He's always available, and he's always working. Whether you see him or not, whether you have your doubts or not, Jesus is going to work for you. He's going to work with you, and he's going to bring you to a better place when we believe. And the last one is, are there any idols in your life that prevent you from following God? Just like the Israelites, they had the calf that was the biggest uh, blocking object for them between them and God, okay? Now, I'm not saying none of us have physical calves that we worship, but, you know, idols can be like money, work, pride. There's a lot of idols that can get in the way from following God or distracting us from God's plan, okay? So again, remind yourself that it is okay to doubt, No matter where you are in life, it is okay to doubt, but don't let it come to you not believing God or for you to not follow through with his plans. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time where, um, you know, I'm able to share how you've been working in my life and how I'm able to share your word, God, that it is okay to doubt, that it is okay to, you know, falter, but we know that even in our imperfections and through our sins and through our flaws that you are always going to be working. You know, God, I just pray that as we leave this building, as we leave, as we leave the church, that we are you know, fired up to just go after you, that we're able to follow you wholeheartedly, that we're able to you know, follow your plan for us, your will, and that we're able to see the rewards and the promises that follow. You know, and I pray that you know, whatever the world says and whatever the world portrays Christians as, as you know, if we're condemned or if we're judged, I pray that we just keep our head up, that we're going to doubt but I pray that we keep on going. 
that, we, that our next step's gonna be in faith versus just solely on sight, God. So again, just thank you for allowing me to share your message, to be able to, you know, to empower your people, God. I wanna thank you for these things. In your name we pray, amen.